The OCD and Anxiety Podcast by Robert James Coaching. Hello and welcome to the OCD and Anxiety Podcast, where we explore how to have a more positive relationship with anxiety disorders taking back control so that you can start living the life you choose and not the one chosen by your fears. Hello and welcome to episode 18. Today's episode is a little bit different. Uh, It's about uh, a really bizarre experience that happened to me surrounding uh, COVID-19. Uh, I was on a holiday and uh, effectively I got put into a COVID prison because one of my friends came down with the virus, uh, one of my friends who was, I was traveling with, and we were 12 hours uh, by car away from, away from home. And so they wouldn't let us go back home to do a, a quarantine there. And so they put us into this like government facil- uh, facility for, for people with COVID. And it was an absolutely horrendous experience to start off with um, and a big, a big shock. And it really made my anxiety and OCD uh, spike a lot in the first couple of days of, the, of this experience. And so this podcast is all about basically how I managed that, how I was able to, to deal with it in a positive way. And hopefully uh, you may be able to relate to it yourself with your own struggles with um, anxiety and OCD, because certainly at the moment, you know, with COVID-19 being everywhere, all over the news constantly, and you know, we're seeing people with masks on all the time, uh, we can't forget about COVID-19. It's constantly there in our faces. And so uh, even if you, you know, you don't have a contamination kind of OCD, it's still very easy to kind of ruminate it, uh, ruminate about it all the time, and to to get quite stressed about it. And so, hopefully, some of the tips um, that I give in this podcast about my own experiences of of trying to manage that anxiety surrounding uh, COVID nineteen, uh, hopefully, will be quite helpful for you. A lot of it is based on um, how I use uh, acceptance commitment therapy. Uh, to deal with um, anxiety and OCD, but also a a few other things as well. Um, If you'd like to know more about me and my coaching services, then do please check out my website, www.robertjamescoaching.com. There you can also find my free mini course for OCD and anxiety. And you can also find me on Instagram. Many thanks, guys, and I really hope you uh, find this uh, story interesting and, uh, you know, maybe amusing, but also, ultimately, I hope you find it helpful. Many thanks. No matter what we try to do, we can't get away from people talking about COVID, and here we are with yet another podcast about COVID. Um... Now, the reason I've created this podcast is obviously, um, you know, a lot of people with OCD really struggle with um, themes around contamination and um, uh, things like this. And um, with COVID, it can make it incredibly hard. 
Um, and even if your themes of OCD weren't based around contamination, because we're hearing about um, coronavirus all the time on the news, um, you know, from people just talking about it constantly, um, it literally feels like the entire day, all you all you hear about or see evidence of is is coronavirus. You know, you're walking around the street and you see people wearing masks and you go to the supermarket and everyone's kind of keeping their social distance and it's constantly there in the background. And if you have OCD, uh, I think it would be very easy for you to start kind of focusing on it way, way, way too much. And like I was saying before, even if contamination wasn't uh, one of your... Um, OCD worries to start off with uh, it could easily become 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 one because when we are when we are kind of uh, dealing with this kind of problem all the time and all this evidence for coronavirus is constantly being thrown at us it becomes quite difficult to to think about other things now I had uh, an experience I think it's fair to uh, to call it that um, and it was a pretty horrible uh, experience with with COVID. So I'm going to relay the the story to you now because um, I think it's quite a helpful story because uh, I effectively ended up being surrounded by people with uh, COVID nineteen for a week, and it really triggered a lot of anxiety for me. And so I wanted to discuss with you how I dealt with that anxiety and how I didn't allow it to kind of um, take over my my mind completely and how I was able to to kind of manage it in an effective way. The anxiety was still there about um, about the corona, but I was still able to get on with my day and and you know do positive things. So here goes. Here's the story. Um, so it was there the beginning of this month, the beginning of August, and uh, I went off in my camper van. Uh, for the summer holidays with uh, my friend and uh, my girlfriend. And the plan was to to drive up uh, to the north of Spain, to Galicia, which is about 12 hours away. Uh, and so we, off we went. We stopped off uh, for one night on the way, and then we carried on. And then I dropped off my girlfriend uh, with her parents, who'd rented a holiday home. And then I carried on with my friend, uh, and we, we went surfing. Uh, together for five days in a really nice, uh, really nice location. Uh, beautiful place, Galicia. They have incredible food. They have really good surfing and amazing outdoors. And so we were camping in the van right next to the beach and surfing every day. And uh, yeah, it was kind of a, you know a little paradise. We're having an absolutely fantastic time. And then after five days of living in the van together, we. Uh, we, you know, we decided, well, we had to go and pick up my girlfriend again. She'd finished um, her five days with her parents. So we went off um, and drove to this town where she was staying with them and picked her up. And But that morning, my friend had started to, to complain that he wasn't feeling that well, um, that he had a bit of a fever and he was feeling cold all the time. And so we were a bit concerned, you know, having just spent uh, all that time with him in the van, driving up to Galicia together. Uh, my girlfriend was concerned that, you know, if she had caught it from him and then she had spent time with her parents um, and then her parents went went home and spent time with 
uh, her grandparents and obviously it could be quite bad and so we decided you know it's probably a sensible idea for uh, my friend to go and get a test so uh, off off he goes well we, we take him to the we call the doctors first and the, the doctor says well uh, if you're concerned then you should go to this hospital uh, so we had to drive for 45 minutes to this to this hospital and then drop off my friend and he was in there for a long time. He was in there for three hours or so until eventually he contacted us. And he said that the uh, he didn't know what was going on, but the hospital wanted me and my girlfriend to go in and speak to them. So we went in and we, we went into the reception and the receptionist told, told us that my friend had coronavirus. They hadn't actually told him at this point. I don't know why. So uh, yeah, so that was a bit of a shock. And um, so we were like, okay, well, what happens now? And they said, well, we have to, we have to do a test with, with you guys. Um, so we go into a, a special room. I call my friend and uh, I tell him that he's got coronavirus uh, because obviously he needs to know. I'm not sure why they didn't tell him. However, you know, we are English and we're in Spain and maybe uh, he didn't understand that they were. I think maybe they had told him, but he just didn't, he didn't get it. Anyway, he was quite surprised, but um, you know he was fe- he wasn't feeling that bad, so he wasn't too too concerned. Um, and then uh, then we had the test ourselves, and they told us that in a, in an hour's time we would get the results, and that we could um, you know we could find out what we were going to do then. Uh, but then two hours later, we still hadn't had our results, and by this point, it's kind of nine thirty in the evening. And the director of the hospital comes in and speaks to us and says that because we've been with Andy for, for the last five days, that we, uh, we actually have to now um, go into a special uh, Corona residential place uh, in Santiago Compostela, which was, you know, two hours away from where we were. And she told us that we had to drive with my friend uh, in the van to, to get to this place uh, at which point we were really upset because obviously like we hadn't had our test results so we didn't know if we were positive or negative for the virus and uh, it obviously didn't make any sense at all to spend more time in the van with uh, with someone who's just tested positive for the virus it's you know obviously asking for trouble and so we were arguing this point and I was arguing with them in my in my Spanish, which is OK, uh, but it's quite hard to to, you know, when you've been spending the whole day waiting around, you know, dealing with this kind of thing in the heat in the middle of summer and uh, suddenly you get news like this. It's quite a stressful situation. And the uh, director of the hospital was not not a nice woman and she was quite aggressive with the fact that she was saying no you have to go you have to take your friend and you have to go to this place and we were saying well what can't we have our results if our results are negative like surely it doesn't make sense for us to go you know in the van with our friend and also shouldn't we just be able to drive straight back home to Barcelona and spend uh, a self-quarantine there rather than going into a self-quarantine here but she was she just wouldn't accept uh, our reasoning and said that um, there was a law and this was the law we had to do this 
And so I said to her, how can it be a law that we have to get into uh, a van with somebody who has coronavirus? That's absolutely crazy. That is, that's, that's not a, a law. Laws are set up to, um, to help people and to help society. You don't have a law that like, forces someone to, uh, to put themselves in a, in a dangerous position against their will. Uh, <laughs> anyway, she wasn't. She refused to listen. And then the next thing we knew, the police uh, turned up, and um, we were speaking to them, and they said that they were going to escort us uh, in the van, and uh, we w- we would have to follow them in their car to Santiago for the two-hour journey. And again, we started to argue with them, and then they got really aggressive and said, "Well, if you." You have two choices. Either you you do this or you're going to go into uh, a cell. So uh, at that point, we were so exhausted of the conversation. And, you know, we were kind of thinking, well, if we've spent all that time with Andy in the van anyway, maybe we're, you know, possibly we already have the virus, but we weren't sure. And uh, so we kind of gave in and we, we drove the two hours with my friend. Uh, to Santiago Compostelo it was pretty annoying because really I really didn't want to do it and if if I had been in the UK then I would have argued the point but uh, when you're in a foreign country it's it's even if you live there and you know it's not your first language it's it's more difficult to argue the point and really to to know you know what the law is Um, oh yeah and the other thing as well is uh, we were traveling with my dog Bruno now uh, the other thing was that they wanted to put Bruno in a dog pound for for two weeks because apparently we were, we were going to be staying in this this place for for two weeks and the dog wasn't allowed to stay and so they they want yeah they wanted to put the dog in a dog pound and we were actually more upset about this than we were about uh, ourselves having to go to this place. Um, we were really worried about about the dog and fortunately my girlfriend managed to call one of her friends who happens to live in Galicia and that friend came and met us in uh, Santiago at the the place where we were staying and and took the dog so anyway uh, the police force us to drive the van with uh, with our friend and we drive two hours we get to the residential center which is like um, a disused university halls um in in Santiago just outside of the city in the middle of nowhere basically and uh we turn up there's security guards there and uh they tell us to park the van and then they you know they're really strict with us they're like okay you have to you have to follow us you have to keep your masks on at all times um and then they show us to this uh university building we go in and um, they put us in separate rooms. So we're each, we're next door to each other, but we're each in a, in a separate room. And they tell us that, you know, breakfast comes in a box at nine o'clock and then the same for lunch and dinner throughout the day. And, um, and, and that's it. We're not allowed out. We, we have to stay, stay in the room the entire time. And, uh, and we have to stay there for two weeks. And that was it. They just said, right, off you go. Uh, so effectively, we were in a COVID prison. It's, it's, it's hard to, 
to describe it as anything else than than that because you know you're locked effect we're not we weren't locked in the room we could have left if we'd chosen to but there were security guards outside watching us um so if we had left we would have been in uh, a lot of trouble and potentially could have been taken to court i suppose so effectively <laughs> we were we were locked there and um we we did have internet which was fortunate so we were able to use the internet and i'll come on to that in a minute because that's an important part of of dealing with this experience in a in a positive way um and so yeah and so we were, we were stuck there we could open up our windows and um we could kind of hang out the window a little bit and talk to each other however you know we didn't really want to do that too much um as as obviously my friend had the virus and you know we were we were quite concerned about catching it if we if we were negative we still didn't have our test results um then the next day finally in the morning we kept calling and calling and calling the hospital and eventually they told us that that me and my girlfriend were actually negative and so we were we were asking them like, why on earth do we have to stay here this is ridiculous if we're negative we should be able to just go home like straight in the van we'll go home and we'll do a self-quarantine for two weeks at home but they insisted that we had to stay um I think, I don't know. I don't know if the, the Spanish government doesn't trust their citizens or uh, I don't know what it is, but it's um, it was ridiculous. I mean, they, they should have let us go home. So yeah, they, they told us that we had to stay there for, for two weeks, even though we tested negative um, as we could, you know, we could potentially carry the virus and if we drove home, we could give it to someone in the process. So... It was uh, pretty hard news to accept, but we got on with it. Now, we weren't the only uh, inmates at the, uh, the Corona prison. There were some, some other people there as well. There was three other guys from, um, from Madrid. And, uh, and so it was kind of frustrating for me because we were there. We were negative for the virus. But we were surrounded by people who actually had the virus. And so, you know, although we were in separate rooms, we were in the same building and we were breathing the same air. And it was quite annoying. And I kept pointing out to them that this was a big university hall in the middle of nowhere. It was completely empty. They could have put the people who were positive on, in one wing of the halls or uh, on the next floor up. Or, you know, that they, they and, and, and put the people who were negative in, a, in another one. Um, but they, they wouldn't listen and they didn't do that. And so we were all sharing like the same, the same kind of, the same wing and effectively all breathing in the same air. And it's quite hard not to get a bit paranoid in that situation where you're literally surrounded by people with coronavirus. And as we were staying there, more and more people started coming. I guess more and more people who, you know, who'd been on holiday got caught out in a similar situation. And more and more people started turning up. And it was literally like COVID to the left of me, COVID to the right of me, people in front of me. And uh, in that situation, it's difficult to, to, to not focus on, on catching COVID. And it's difficult to not ruminate and start to uh, perform 
um, compulsions if you have OCD already. Uh, and I was finding it increasingly difficult to to keep a, a clear head and to you know to remain positive. And so, really, I wanted to discuss. Um, how you can use acceptance commitment therapy because that's what I was trying to use during this this time so I was trying to use acceptance a, a commitment therapy to keep me in a positive frame of mind I was also using uh, breathing methods like the Wim Hof method to keep me uh, feeling positive and to keep try to keep the the you know the anxiety down and help to keep me feel feeling you know relaxed um, and I was also trying to do uh, exercise. So let's talk a little bit now about how I was using those different things and how they were helping me to stay calm in this really you know, quite difficult um, situation. So perhaps the biggest uh, thing with uh, acceptance commitment therapy is obviously the first word, acceptance. And uh, in this situation, it would be incredibly easy to not accept your situation at all, to be furious that your uh, your liberty has been taken away by the government who's like enforce you to stay in this ridiculous COVID prison where you might actually catch it, whereas when you entered, you were negative. And it would be very easy to get angry and upset and uh, and unfortunately, when we when we start to experience these emotions, uh, it does actually have a negative impact on, you know, your your general your general well being and even your immune response, your immune system, uh, you know. And so, getting getting yourself into a really negative bad place uh, when you're in a situation like that can actually be quite counterproductive. And if you're even if you're not in that situation, if you're just someone who's really struggling with, you know, worrying about COVID on a day to day basis. You know, you can't change the situation. Um, you know, there's there's logical, normal precautions that you can take that can help you in your situation. Um, but you can't get rid of COVID. You can't stop it. And it was the same for us. Like we were taking normal lo- logical steps to try to help us in a situation. Like we were contacting fa- family members and we were contacting lawyers to make sure that this was actually legal what they were doing and we were taking normal steps and precautions to to try to uh, mitigate the difficult um, feelings and emotions that we were experiencing um, however ultimately uh, what we what we came to realize was that the government had actually you know passed this law to make this legal and so there was nothing that we we could do. We had to we had to accept it, and that was difficult. The first the first day, I was really really angry. Um, as I said before, I'd had my liberty taken away, and that hadn't happened to me before in my life. And so, uh, what well, maybe maybe as a child, if you've been naughty and you're uh, you've you've done something to upset your parents and. Uh, yeah, maybe in that situation, you might get grounded or something like that. However, <laughs> this situation was pretty different. So, yeah. So acceptance. How did I? How was that helpful? And how did I bring that to this situation? Um, ultimately, after after the first day, I realised that if I carried on being, you know, annoyed about this, it wasn't going to help me. So I did my best. 
to just say to myself, look, I've, I've done what I can. I've taken the precautions. I've looked into the situation. I've spoken to lawyers. There's nothing I can do. The best thing I can do now is just to accept the situation and try to make the most of it. Um, and so that's what I did. I said, okay, what can I actually do in this situation that's, that's positive, that's um, going to help me to be the person that I really want to be? And so that was the first step. And then the next step is really uh, related to, to values. And you know, so much of uh, acceptance commitment therapy is that, is, is thinking about what your values are. Because once you've accepted something, part of the acceptance for me is actually just choosing to put your attention onto your values. In a way, that is acceptance. Because you know, so often with OCD, we hear these um, questions uh, that people ask like all the time and I fully understand why people are, are asking it you know of like oh but what does acceptance actually mean uh, I, I've mentioned this many times uh, before and loads of other, other podcasts of you know like oh hey just accept your anxiety accept your OCD it's really hard to do and you know actually acceptance for me means allowing um, you know the difficult thoughts uh, emotions or even situations that you might be experiencing that you can't change allowing them to be and choosing to put your attention onto something positive that you that you value and that for me is really what acceptance is and how it works for me and I think that's a, a better way of explaining it than just hey accept your anxiety accept your fears by acceptance, it's, it's basically meaning that you are making room for the difficult experiences and choosing to put your attention onto uh, something that you value instead. So what could, I, what could I value in this difficult situation? Well, I think the first thing that's really important, uh, given that you're locked in a room on your own, is to try to uh, find some connection, you know? And um, fortunately for me, I wasn't completely on my own. I had uh, my girlfriend locked in the room next door to me and my mate uh, locked in the room on the other side. And so, you know, we could, at least we had internet connection. So we were able to uh, talk to each other on WhatsApp. We had a group, a group WhatsApp um, chat. So we were like chatting away on that about our situation and, you know, kind of, telling each other jokes about about the situation and how ridiculous it was and just trying to kind of laugh about it with your friends uh, is, is really helpful. So immediately, connection and, and friendship there, relationships, these are values that are really important to me. And by focusing on those, uh, it really helped me to, to feel more positive and to feel like there would be a way out of this thing and it wouldn't be as bad as I first thought. Uh, and then also, you know, like contacting other people, other friends and family to explain to them the situation. Uh, and some of my family were, you know, outraged on my behalf of, of me being <laughs> stuck in this place and really, you know, really were, were wanting to, to help as much as they could. And so actually, in a way, it kind of brought, brought us all together. We were, everyone was talking a lot and we were, you know, like calling each other and I was getting in touch with lots of friends to tell them what was going on. 
And, you know, for the first couple of days, that was actually quite entertaining. Uh, it was quite fun to be able to do that. And so that, that really, really helped. And that made a big difference. And it really helped me to be able to accept my situation a lot more. And then that leads into another value uh, that I think is um, not only is it, you know, it's a value that's important to me, um, but also as a, as a separate thing that, you know, if you can try to build uh, this into your life in general, it will help you. And that's just humor. You know, trying to see the funny side of difficult situations, even when it's, you know, incredibly hard to do so, uh, can be a really helpful way to get yourself through that situation. Now, I'm not saying laugh at anything. Obviously, some situations are just terrible. And, you know, that's, you can't laugh in these situations. But in our situation, in a situation like this, you know, like nobody's, no, nobody was really hurt. Nothing that bad was actually happening. We were just, you know, we we just basically lost our liberty for for two weeks, and so we were trying to to make fun of the situation, you know, like like telling each other jokes, like oh yeah, fantastic. So we drove for like twelve hours to come to Galicia. We get here, and the first thing they do is put us in prison. Fantastic. Never coming back here again. Um, you know, just trying to mock the situation a little bit gently and like telling jokes and whatever. It can really help you to keep yourself in a positive mindset if you're in a challenging uh, situation. And it also helps as well to build up, you know, more connection with other people. Now, fortunately, we, we had the Internet, so I was able to get on with um, with work when I was uh, when I was there so that was really good as well my my work is is very important to me I feel like it's uh, you know it's my passion it's what I enjoy I really enjoy helping people with um, with OCD and anxiety problems and so I was actually able to do some sessions uh, with people from um, from the COVID prison um, and uh, and also I was doing I'm also a teacher so I was doing some teaching from there as well um, I'm also doing a, a course right now. And so another really important value for me is, is learning, ongoing learning. So uh, I was reading up on my course. I was um, writing lots of coursework. And uh, that really made the time go, you know, pass a, a lot, lot quicker. And uh, again, it's something positive. It's something that you can put your mind on. Um, and the more that you get into the habit of doing this and of focusing on your values and the things that are important to you and being in the present moment, um, the much easier it is for you over time to manage rumination and to manage obsessive thoughts because you're not giving them the same amount of attention as you, as you might have done otherwise. And particularly when you're in a challenging situation or particularly when you're having a challenging OCD day, for example, we know I know what it's like with OCD. There's certain days that for whatever reason, it's just so hard to manage. The OCD just keeps coming up again and again and again. Like you feel like the OCD comes up and you start to ruminate about it and you're trying to prove a thought wrong or something. And eventually you manage to, to stop thinking about it only for, you know, another OCD thought to come up and take its place. And on those days, it's so frustrating because, uh, you know, you're just going around in circles and, you know, if you can have 
you know, if you can be very clear about your values and what they are and have things that you're going to focus on uh, that you really care about and that are really important to you, then, you know, when you are in a difficult situation or when you're having a difficult day, like what I was just describing, then, you know, it's a little bit easier because you can just, every time you feel yourself distracted by thoughts like these, you can just acknowledge that thought and just gently keep bringing your attention back to the thing that you value in that moment, the thing that you want to be doing. And it's, it's really just all about that, retraining yourself, retraining your brain to, to focus on, on values that you, you care about. Now, another thing that I think is really important in a situation like this is to, to keep doing exercise. Now, um, if you're a regular li- uh, listener to the podcast, you probably already know that I think exercise is incredibly important for mental health issues. And cert- certainly for me, uh, it's so, so useful. And normally I go for a, a run or a bike ride every other day at the very least. And suddenly, you know, someone had taken that, uh, that away from me and I wasn't able to do it. And um, for the first couple of days, and I didn't really do much exercise. I was just focusing on other stuff. And um, but I did start to notice that I was really missing that. Uh, for me, it's it's just a natural way to boost, you know, feel good brain chemicals, and it, it just makes me it makes managing my my OCD and anxiety much much easier. Uh, and so. I decided to try to make sure that I was doing something. So every morning I would, I would uh, wake up after, I think, I think it was on the third day I started to do this. And I started doing um, press-ups. So I would do like sets of 20 or 25 press-ups. Uh, I'd do like, like three sets of those. I would be doing star jumps. And um, my room was maybe only like, you know, three, no, a bit longer, maybe like five meters long. Uh, so I was like, I was literally running from one side of the room to the other. Ridiculous, I know, but um, <laughs> I had to try and do something. So I was doing that to try and get my heart up. And then I was doing star jumps and burpees and uh, anything, anything I could do. And I was trying to do, um, trying to do that for 30 minutes. So I'd mix it up doing lots of different, um, lots of different short uh, activities that were kind of getting my my aerobic system kind of uh, going, getting the lungs and the heart working and getting a bit of a sweat on. Uh, and if I did that for half an hour, then, okay, maybe it's not quite the same as going for a run, but, you know, it's not bad. And it definitely helped me uh, to deal with the anxiety uh, much better. Um, and so, actually, by day three... Um, three, four, I really felt like I was starting to, to kind of master this situation. Uh, I wouldn't say that I was happy about it uh, in any way, but I was able to accept it. I was able to start focusing on, you know, my connections and my friendships, uh, on my work, on uh, learning new things and on exercise. And um, all of these things basically made the experience not as bad as it could have been. And there were still moments where I was kind of going online and reading articles about uh, coronavirus and, you know, the complications of it and blah, blah, blah. And I was like winding myself up and then I'd catch myself and be like, what am I doing? Why am I doing this? This is obviously uh, a compulsion. Stop. 
And then I would refocus my attention again back onto a value and, you know, very quickly get back into the swing of, of, of feeling, feeling okay. Um, and sometimes, yeah, there would still be background anxiety. Um, and, but as we, as we know, having background anxiety is not a bad thing. You know, often that is just the case as humans we experience anxiety and we have to learn that it's okay to have anxiety and particularly if you're in a challenging situation you probably are going to experience some anxiety but it's okay you can still experience that anxiety and just keep refocusing your attention onto things that are important to you and allow that anxiety to be there and when we do that more often than not it tends to kind of take a bit of a backseat it might not disappear altogether or it, it might actually disappear altogether. Um, but the, it doesn't really matter. The important thing is that you focus on what's important to you and you get on with the stuff that, you know, makes your life worthwhile and uh, makes you feel, um, you know, in touch with who you are as a person. You know, when you do that, you'll be feeling much better and you'll be feeling like you're taking control of the situation rather than the situation taking control of you and that is perhaps one of the key points I think here is is this feeling of of you know being able to manage this situation of having some control over the situation um, when control is taken away from you um, you know we often feel when we have OCD that you know thing this is out of my control why is my brain doing this to me this isn't fair and i think a big part of the problem is that that sense of a lack of control um and you know the the reality is if you can start to do some of the things we've just been talking about uh you actually do you actually can start to take back some of that control and that really can start to, ha uh, to make a big difference in how you feel uh, on a day-to-day -day basis. Then one other thing that I was doing uh, each morning that really helped was uh, Wim Hof breathing and uh, taking a cold shower. And that's something that I've been doing, you know, every day for uh, a year and a half now. And it's uh, incredibly helpful anyway. But in this situation, again, where you feel like you've lost some self-control, being able to get up in the morning and do this breathing method that really feels like it resets your body. Uh, it helps you to feel more relaxed and that has a knock-on effect throughout the day. Um, again, it really does help you take back some control. Uh, if you want to know more about the, the Wim Hof method, you can check out um, podcast number one. Um, and uh, I talk a, a bit more in uh, a bit more detail about the, uh, the Wim Hof method there. Anyway, so a bit of a change uh, today in the podcast. I wanted to describe this uh, story to you. Number one, because it's quite, uh, it's quite amusing and quite entertaining. Uh, and, you know, we, we got through it okay in the end. And uh, the good news is that, well, neither me or my girlfriend actually ended up catching the virus. And my friend, who did actually have it, uh, didn't really have very bad symptoms and, and very, very quickly was feeling absolutely fine again. But hopefully from, um, you know, from, from what I've described about how I was um, dealing with the anxiety that I was feeling uh, when I first got there uh, through, you know, really kind of choosing to accept 
the difficult situation by choosing to focus on um, things that are important to me and that I value uh, by being in the present moment and by, you know, doing other things like exercise and uh, breath work. All of these things came together and they really made what could have been a horrendous, uh, really, really challenging experience. Uh, an experience that was a challenge, but in the end ended up being a fairly positive, um, a positive experience uh, where I've come out of it with an amusing story to tell and, um, you know, with an experience of uh, being able to overcome something that's quite, quite a challenge. So that's it. Uh, look out for the next episode coming soon and uh, stay safe, everyone. Many thanks. Remember, if you want to know more about me, you can check me out on Instagram, Robert James Coaching UK. You can go and join the Facebook group if you like, the Robert James Coaching Anxiety and OCD Support Group. And also you can check out my website, www.robertjamescoaching.com. Many thanks. And now just a quick reminder of my disclaimer. Any information that you view on my website, Instagram page, Facebook group, or anywhere else online, or any information that you listen to on the podcast is for informational purposes only and is not intended to be a substitute for actual medical or mental health advice from a doctor, psychologist, or any other medical or mental health professional.